When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm your host, Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Valtteri Bottas has taken his first win of the season at the Turkish Grand Prix and also bagged himself the extra point for fastest lap. He was joined on the podium by the Red Bulls of Max Verstappen and Checo Perez. Charles Leclerc came home P4 ahead of Lewis Hamilton who looked set for a podium finish until a late pit stop saw him giving up the places. As a result, Max Verstappen has taken back the championship lead with a six-point advantage. Carlos Sainz secured driver of the day after a solid performance saw him battling through the pack from the back of the grid to finish in the points in P8. I am joined today by Jess McFadden, Director of Digital Strategy for Motorsport Network and Luke Smith, Autosports F1 Editor. I'm pleased to be back on the pod after having to miss Sochi. A big thanks to Martin for stepping in there. Jess, Luke, thanks for joining. Luke, you are in Turkey, so an extra big thanks for joining us after getting back from the track. Before we really get into things and dissect how everything unfolded, let's start, as we always do, with a quick roundup of your race ratings. Luke, you were there in in the midst of it all. What are you going to give it? Uh, maybe a, a five, I think, might be quite, quite fair. Five or a six. I thought it was a very interesting race. I thought there were lots of good little storylines sort of coming through, and I thought we saw lots of good overtaking. There was quite a bit of on-track action. Even at the front, I guess, yeah, it was pretty straightforward for Valtteri Bottas. And there was a point when I was kind of thinking, is anyone going to pit? Are we going to have just a no-stop race and it be blights to flag? And that would have been very strange. But uh, yeah, a bit of intrigue over the pit stops and when's come in and weather's come in, which obviously played against Lewis Hamilton. That's the, the huge story, I guess, after the race. But yeah, it was a, a funny old race. I think I think I would settle on a, on a six, I think, for it. Okay, you went up a, a little bit there as you uh, spoke through that. Jess, what are you going to say? I think I, I'm actually really glad that Luke said that because I couldn't I couldn't tell how I felt about it. And just before we came on air, I, I was starting to talk about how I felt about the race and Ariana was like, stop, no, save it for the podcast. But yeah, I felt a bit str- strange. I don't even know how to really describe it. Not quite hollow, but just like, th- it felt like there was lots going on and I'm sure there's going to be lots for us to discuss, but not actually too much to kind of get overly excited about in terms of a race it didn't really play out 
super excitingly there were just a lot of pockets of things and the way that things ended up and the way that things kind of ended with quite a dramatic strategy call from Mercedes is is kind of gave us enough to talk about but yeah it wasn't exactly a a thriller and I know we've said on previous podcasts before that I usually uh, judge a race based on how often I'm uh, kind of looking away and and checking other things like what's going on on Twitter and I did it quite a lot during that race which is why I feel like it was quite lower down like we're kind of waiting in the latter stages to see if the track would dry out which mysteriously it just never did um or at least not to a point where we kind of got any change away from the inters that we saw so yeah strange one I think yeah I'm toing toing between like toing and throwing between a five and a six so maybe I'll give it a five and a half just to kind of sit in the middle and straddle those two scores I'm sitting between a five and a six as well. I'm not entirely sure where I would pin it. I feel like there were flashes of really engaging stuff, like Jessa said, and then other times I was like, mm, this is kind of drying out a little bit. Um, so I'm probably going to go five and a half. I feel, I don't know, I feel like that's harsh, but we'll, we'll go with that for now. We'll see if I change my mind for the end of the pod. Before we continue, let's quickly run down how the race unfolded, courtesy of Alex Kalanorkas Autosports Grand Prix editor. At the start, all the cars were fitted with intermediate tyres and the top three scrambled off the line with Bottas comfortably leading Verstappen into turn one. Despite the tricky conditions, the only lap one incidents were Pierre Gasly tapping Fernando Alonso as the Alpine tried to sweep outside the round the first corner, which spun him down to the rear of the field where he was involved in a clash that led to Mick Schumacher spinning at turn four on lap two. And then also Nicholas Latifi spinning by himself at turn nine. Pierre Gasly was given a five-second time penalty for his contact with Alonso, while Alonso also received a five-second penalty for his contact with Schumacher. Bottas led by 1.3 seconds at the end of the first lap, and by lap 10, his lead had reached 2.4 seconds, having grown suddenly on the two laps previous, at which point Hamilton had reached seventh after nipping by Sebastian Vettel at the final corners on lap one and then making his way past Yuki Tsunoda and Lance Stroll in successive tours on laps eight and nine after Tsunoda had held him at bay in the early stages. Hamilton then nipped ahead of Lando Norris to take sixth at turn nine. On lap 34, Hamilton reached Perez and the pair engaged in a thrilling fight with Hamilton attacking the red ball outside of turn 12 and staying alongside all the way to the final corner. Perez at one stage cutting behind the pit lane entry bollard after the Mercedes forced him wide at the penultimate corner. The battle continued to turn one where Perez boldly hung onto the inside and stayed in fourth place with the battle then superseded by the leaders pitting. Red Bull pulled the trigger by pitting Verstappen for fresh inters on lap 36 with Bottas following him in the next time round and easily keeping the lead while Perez came in and then rejoined behind Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc up ahead, they chose to stay out, with Hamilton arguing against a Mercedes court to pit on lap 42. Bottas, who was over seven seconds clear of Verstappen, initially steadily closed in on Charles Leclerc on his fresh inters and then retook the lead with a major grip advantage down the inside into turn one on lap 47, at the end of which Charles Leclerc finally pitted. From there, Bottas easily ran clear of Verstappen to claim a first win of 2021 and setting the fastest lap at 1 minute 30.432 on the final lap. Ferrari had hoped that Charles Leclerc would close back up to the leading two on the fresh inters, but he hit the bad graining phase all the drivers struggled with a few laps after pitting, which meant that Perez could easily take the place with a run to the outside of turn 12. The lap before Perez passed Leclerc, Hamilton had come in, Mercedes feeling it had no choice but to abandon the no-stop strategy because of Gasly's presence in the sixth, and he was already on his second set of inters. Hamilton initially got close to Leclerc on his new inters but then fell dramatically back as he reached the graining phase and shared his frustrations at the call to bring him in over the radio. He was able to hold off Gasly to the flag, the AlphaTauri driver having served a five second penalty at his stop for that clash at turn one with Alonso. Norris took seventh not far behind Gasly with Carlos Sainz eighth after rising rapidly up the order from the back row of the grid with a series of bold early passes and the Spaniard also having to recover from a slow pit stop of over eight seconds. In that recovery, Sainz passed Lance Stroll who finished ninth and Esteban Ocon who was the only driver to complete the race on a single set of tyres. That is how the race unfolded. Now, let's start with our race winner. 
Valtteri Bottas, he did exactly what he needed to do today. Strong and controlled, converted the pole position, even though it wasn't actually, you know, him that set the fastest lap. It was his pole. Converted it to victory. Thoughts on our race winner, Luke? Uh, Fantastic. I thought that this was one of, if not the best victory for Valtteri Bottas in Formula One. And it's something he said himself. He thought it was up there with his best ever races. Mercedes, they said, yep, it's probably his best ever drive for us. And I think that particularly in sort of these damp, wet conditions, it seems to have been a bit of a weakness for Valtteri Bottas in the past couple of years. I think back to Imola this year as being a key example, Turkey last season when he had all those spins. But today he was absolutely faultless. He didn't put a single foot wrong. At the start, he got away well. Then he kept Verstappen easily behind. Verstappen never got close to him, even to have a sniff of taking the lead. And he just managed things really, really well. And we heard him coming over the radio a lot to his engineer, Ricky, saying, oh, it's raining at this, this, this corner and keeping him updated, which was really, really useful feedback. And yeah, he just never looked like losing this race. And I think that we saw at the end just how much pace he had. He set the fastest lap on each of the final two laps to get that bonus point as well. And I think that a lot of credit needs to be given to him because so much has been thrown at Valtteri Bottas this year. And obviously we know, yep, he's leaving Mercedes at the end of the season. And I think it was just really important that he got this win as a sort of a a, a farewell thing with Mercedes. It would have been a real shame if he had a real sort of like barren final season with the team and I said to Toto Wolf after the race oh this is really good like he's got a win in his final season and like he's not signing off without one and he said I wouldn't be surprised if he wins more this season like we've seen today what he can do like he was in a really really good place the Mercedes car clearly had an edge over Red Bull this weekend and even more importantly he did a huge amount for Mercedes in both championships in the Constructors Championship they managed to eke a little bit further clear of Red Bull despite Lewis's penalty brilliant but for the driver's title race I mean Valtteri was the only person who could beat Max Verstappen today and he did exactly that without Valtteri Max's lead would be at what 13 points it would be a good chunk bigger but again he helped sort of limit the damage and ensure that yeah he sort of played that I hate the term but wingman role by winning the race which is fantastic so yeah I think he deserves so much credit a Mercedes uh, trackside engineering director, Andrew Shovlin, he actually said after the race that Bottas went a bit unnoticed. And I thought that was maybe a little bit harsh and um, sort of, yeah, a bit, a bit cheeky. I don't think he meant it in any any way, but it's kind of true. Like he kind of just was in control. We never really saw him because he was just so smooth at the front. So yeah, I think we saw the very best of Valtteri Bottas today and a richly deserved race winner. And when you're leading the race, you know, going unnoticed, it definitely isn't a bad thing. That's a sign that you're actually just doing exactly what you need to do up front, controlling it. You know, not making too many mistakes, not getting yourself into any trouble. So, yeah, I agree that, yeah, definitely probably not meant in a bad way and exactly what you do want when you are at the front of the pack. Credit where it is due to Valtteri because it was such a solid, solid performance from him. But let's move straight on to the biggest talking point of today, which will probably take up uh, the largest chunk of the podcast, Of course, Mercedes calling Lewis Hamilton into pit right at the end there. As we've already mentioned, the team called him into pit on lap 42 when most others were pitting as well. He didn't agree with the call. He stayed out. Um, Seemed pretty certain that he would be able to go to the end on those inters, the same pair that he had started the race with. But ultimately, the team made the decision that no, he did have to come in maintain the gap to Gasly but it became apparent afterwards or it seemed at least that he wasn't aware that he was going to lose those track positions and then we heard him very frustrated on the radio saying that it was a bad decision but let's discuss this and discuss whether it was or was not the right call by Mercedes I know that Toto has come out and said you know in hindsight which is obviously great thing uh that it seems that if Lewis had pitted when they first called him in that would have probably been the optimal outcome was it the right choice for Mercedes to call them call him in when they did finally call him in and he actually came in? We'll move on to whether he should have just come in when they first called him. But do you think that they should have made that call towards the end on lap 51, I think it was, to say, no, you've got to come in now? Jess? They didn't have an option, I don't think. I think it would have been far too much of a risk to leave him out, you know, considering you know this is the this is only the what the second time since 1997 since we've had a driver complete an entire race distance on one set of tires. Um 
I know Ocon, the, the argument is that, well, Ocon did it. Well, two, I guess, well, more than two factors there, but Ocon did a lap less and his front right was completely and utterly destroyed. Wrecked. Number one. <laughs> um, number two, uh, and there's the, I don't think there's any way that, that Ocon would have made it for another lap on those tyres. Plus, he was absolutely and utterly dropping off a cliff uh, and very nearly lost his points positions to the two Alfa Romeos that were absolutely reeling him in um, towards that the latter stages of the, the closing stages of that race. So the position in which Ocon found himself versus where Lewis found himself, you know, if we compare lap times, Lewis very much likely would have lost positions to um, to Gasly at least, um, if not further back. So I think... the to, to keep him out would have been an outrageous decision and I think we'd be sat here going what are Mercedes thinking about like why didn't they bring him in um but they were kind of in a position where they were always they were always going to drop back from the podium positions from doing that because they should have they should have insisted that Lewis came in earlier on but as we've seen in Sochi Sometimes, um, or very often, Mercedes has a really good balance between how much they trust the driver and how much they trust the simulations and the pit wall. And it's played to their strength more times than I think it's not done. So it's, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Because we've had, we had a similar situation in Sochi where Lewis disobeyed the team's call for him to pit um, for Inters um, in Sochi and, you know, in hindsight, they were like, no, you absolutely have to come in. And it was the right decision. And they won the race. But it, here it was a case of I think they let him, they trusted Lewis for maybe one or two laps too long. And they should have insisted that he came in um, because, yeah, that that window that they found themselves in the track, the track was drying out. Um, and so the Inters dropped off a cliff kind of quicker than they had done when the previous pitters um, had, had come in. Um, and like when Perez, for instance, had come in, there was a bit more water on track so they could get a little bit more tyre life out. And this, yeah, this, this, that scenario for Lewis was kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. But the risk factor of him not coming in was so much higher uh, had he tried to stay out and do the full race distance on, on that set of Inters. Lewis, what, Lewis, Luke, what do you think? Do you think that Lewis was right to not come in when they initially did? Or do you think that, like Jess has just touched on, that actually that was the optimal window for him to come in? Uh, but they, they then missed it, so they had no choice. And also, what have you heard from the team and Lewis himself since since the race has finished? So obviously we heard Lewis's annoyance quite openly over the radio and Mercedes said, look, we've got a very thick skin. We're very used to drivers sort of maybe in the heat at the moment, not fully understanding the picture. So we, we get it. No issues there at all. So nothing to worry about. And Mercedes, their way of explaining it was that, yeah, they sort of had the initial call saying, yeah, time's coming. And Lewis said, no, 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 I want to carry on. And yeah, we saw in Russia sort of the trust that can be placed in the driver. And when it gets to a limit and you say, no, we have to, we have to come in now. And it was a very difficult decision. I mean, we saw all of the drivers were sort of not sure about it because Mercedes, they were banking on it drying out and potentially being good enough for slicks. And if it had been, if it had dried out quickly and um, we'd have had everybody coming in a second time to make the switch from fresh intermediates to slick tyres by not pitting Lewis, that would have saved them a pit stop. So that was that was kind of their thinking. And they sort of had the different scenarios where it could have put Lewis either into victory contention or podium contention at least. So that was that was where they were going. But I think it was the fact that the sort of fine drizzle that was really around the track all day, it never really stopped. So while it dried out a little bit, it never, ever got close to being good enough slicks. So I, I think that by the time it got towards what the end of the race lap 50 that Lewis finally pitted as Jess said Mercedes really had no choice and Andrew Shovlin said it himself after the race that we had to cut our losses and he was asked well we saw Ocon go all the way to the end like what would it have been like for Lewis and he he pointed out that Ocon he was overtaken by Lance Stroll on lap 53 the 58 Stroll finished 17 seconds ahead of Ocon that's how big the gap was because Ocon's tyres as Jess said were absolutely finished and he dropped off a cliff he was very lucky not to be passed by the Alfa Romeos so 
it would have been a similar situation for Lewis. He would have probably lost the positions to to Perez, to uh, Leclerc, probably to Gasly as well. And I think Mercedes, when they realised that they got very close to that window of we're going to come out behind Gasly if we don't pit now, they thought, look, let's cut our losses, just bring him in. It means that it's only a six-point gap at the top of the Drivers' Championship. So I think Mercedes, obviously they'll go away and analyze this. They'll look at the calls and it might be they sort of talk with Lewis about the sort of how they deal with these situations when it's the driver feedback versus what the team has and accessing all of its own data. But I also think that, yeah, we've got to, we, we can't sort of like look to point fingers or place blame really because I think it's both sides will say, look, yeah, maybe, okay, Lewis maybe should have been a bit more accepting of what Mercedes were doing, which ultimately he was in the end. Like when they said for the final time, box, box, he came in without skipping a beat. So that, that showed that I think it did get through to him just how critical the situation was, even if afterwards he was a bit like, how on earth am I now fighting Gasly and trying to keep him behind? So... Yeah, I think it was I think it was yeah, a very tricky race for Mercedes. I think the fact that they didn't pit early on when everyone else did meant that Lewis couldn't fight Perez himself wheel to wheel. And I think that they were just thinking, look, we're struggling to get past him on track anyway. Obviously we had that great fight between the two of them, but Perez was able to pretty much keep Lewis at bay. So I think they thought, look, how else can we beat him? How else can we get that position? And uh, yeah, they took a risk. And Lewis himself said after the race, he said, I'm a risk taker. Like, I like rolling the dice. So I think looking back, he'll probably be he'll probably be satisfied that they did go for it as they did. But yeah, in the end, it kind of ended up in a sort of half bait. They didn't go all the way, but also they didn't come in early enough. And they kind of had to just, yeah, cut their losses midway through. So yeah. Lots to learn from Mercedes, but I think that all things considered, they can be quite pleased with the the gap at the championship, uh, the gap at the top of the championship, not growing to a huge margin at six points to max. So I think they can be pretty satisfied, all things considered. Yeah, that's the thing, right? We have this balance in the sport of what the driver feels when he's in the car versus the data and the computers that those at the pit will have. And today we just saw the perfect example of that conflict between the two. But I mean, that's what I was going to come on to next. Well, before we continue, a huge thanks to today's podcast sponsor, for bringing this show to you for free. Party Casino is your first choice for sports betting, and that, of course, means Formula One. Who do you think will be the race winner next time out in Austin? Who's the favourite? Who's an outsider? Who will you bet on? You can also make a bet on this year's Drivers' Championship as it goes down to the wire now that Max has once again taken the lead. But it's not just Formula One. Check out the sports section of Party Casino to bet on the Prem, Championship, Bundesliga or La Liga. Maybe you're all about tennis, horse racing or MotoGP. Doesn't matter. There's 39 different sports you'll find in Party Casino. And if you want to hit the slots, enjoy full Party Casino experience with jackpot slots, the best Vegas games, roulette in the live casino and all the blackjack games I know you love. So when you're ready, get the party started with 50 free spins on Starburst. Just go to autosport.com slash party casino. Easy to remember. Give it a go. Three easy steps. Sign up. Deposit 10 quid. Enjoy 50 free spins. Give it a go. Tell us how you get on. Autosport.com slash party casino. It's open to UK residents over 18. Read the full terms and conditions at partycasino.com and please gamble responsibly. It was the weekend where Lewis has taken that penalty, which we obviously were anticipating, and he's walked away with it. The gap hasn't opened up as much as it could have. And up until that point, he'd been making solid solid progress through the pack, getting the overtakes done. So looking back, Jess, do you think that actually, yeah, Mercedes shouldn't necessarily beat them up so- beat themselves up too hard about this and also you know I've seen lots of people very vocal on social media as always about what a bad call they felt they felt this was um obviously we all have very limited information compared to the pit wall um and the team but actually do you think Mercedes will end up reflecting on this and thinking yeah we've we've managed this the best we could given that now he has at least served his penalty the problem that Mercedes have is that they I don't think they were quite anticipating that they would have seen Max Verstappen uh get P2 having started from the back of the grid when he took his penalty. And and I guess that's the story of this season really is that you know some of the teams can do the absolute best but you'll have times like that where 
they won't have taken that into their calculations. And I think Red Bull were pretty surprised. I think we were all pretty surprised that um, even though Max, you know, is Max Verstappen, the fact that he ended up P2 is quite surprising. So I think that, you know, that's that's what that's what we're battling with. We're battling with those sorts of um, takeaways after every weekend. So, you know, ordinarily, would Mercedes be happy with this? Y- yes, like you said, it's damage limitation. We know we know now that you know that reliability niggle isn't going to be hanging over Lewis's head as much um, moving into the latter kind of pointy end of the season. So you know, the idea was that they were, he was going to have to take it at any point, and they they decided to take it where they actually showed a lot of pace. And so, as as Luke pointed out, kind of towards the top of the show, in terms of the constructors, they've actually had a really good turnout because of Bottas's win, thankfully. But yeah, the drivers' championship is just as tight as ever. So I don't think I don't think Mercedes is going to be upset. I think they're going to just want to continue. Um, with as much success as they can. It sounds like they've got a few of the niggles that they were worried about before in terms of the engine sorted out. Um, Cota is a track that's been typically very favourable to Mercedes and especially to Lewis Hamilton. So I think they're going to be going into Cota hoping that they can kind of maximise on on tracks like that where they know that they could be pretty strong. But the the the, the, the I was talking with John Noble on our, our live stream on motorsport.com earlier on this evening and the but the interesting thing about this season just seems to be that where we think certain drivers or certain teams have an advantage previously or in previous seasons uh, whether that's because it's a high downforce track or a, a high power track we're not quite seeing those levels of differentiation um in the same way we have as in previous seasons you know red bull has surprised us at power tracks and mercedes have surprised us at maybe more uh, of the of the tighter twistier downforce tracks so it's really interesting season in terms of Every point is going to count. So the fact that they are walking away with at least um, a handful of points and Bottas's win, they're going to be they're going to be suitably happy with that. I think. I mean, obviously it's Lewis Hamilton. Maybe a lot of people at home would have were would have expected to see him on the podium and are disappointed that they they didn't see that. But I think you know P eleven to to P five is not a bad haul, really. Yeah, and the Drivers' Championship swings once again, as we've said, back to Max Verstappen. And it is just neck and neck this year, like you've said. But let's move our attention on to Red Bull now. Uh, It was a good day for them, given the dominance of the Mercedes car that we saw this weekend. And Valtteri starting on pole, but managing to get those other two spots on the podium. Checo did an absolutely fantastic job today. That battle with Lewis that we touched on briefly earlier, Luke, it was fantastic. It was exactly what we love to see, will-to-will action, then both really going at it, and it was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, brilliant. And I liked that Checo showed some real fight. Not that he hasn't this year, and I think that he's uh, maybe... Not he's not been up to Verstappen's level this year, but that's obviously a very tough task for whoever is in that second Red Bull. And every time we talk to him after qualifying, it always seems to be, oh, you're not top three again, and what happened this time? And it's all quite negative. But this weekend, like he was pretty, he was actually pretty pleased with how things went in qualifying. Like he wasn't massively, like he wasn't on the front row or anything. He started the race sixth and after qualifying seventh. But he was feeling pretty good about where things are were, and I think we, um, yeah, we we saw that. Obviously, he was helped by Alonso getting turned around at turn one, and uh, that gave him a position early on. But yeah, his pace was really, really solid. And when Leclerc obviously tried going long and, and going for it, which is really, really exciting, uh, it looked like Perez was probably going to be fourth, which would have been a decent haul of points. But then, yeah, he made a really, really good pass on Leclerc to get that third place and ensure we saw two Red Bulls up on the podium. For Honda, on what would have, would have been the Japanese Grand Prix weekend and with the cars decked in that lovely white and red livery, I think it was really important for them to get a really good result. And to get both Red Bulls on the podium is fantastic, only the second time this season. So I think he can be pretty pleased with his display today. And it's maybe unfortunate for Red Bull that the weekend when their so-called number two driver has put in one of his best performances of the season... Mercedes, so-called number um, two driver, has done exactly the same thing and won the race. And it means that the points gain isn't as big as it would have been. Or, well, I mean, they didn't gain. They lost ground on Mercedes a little bit. 
But yeah, good result from Checo. I think a really good drive, a bit of confidence going into the back end of the year as well. He keeps saying that as much as 2022 is this big opportunity and there's going to be the reset of the cars and new rules that should remedy some of the issues with the Red Bull that makes it so tricky to drive. He's not rising off the back end of this season. Like He still wants to get big results. He still wants as many points as possible. And he's still got a role to play to help Red Bull win this Constructors' Championship. So I think today will give him some really good momentum, a good boost. And uh, yeah, very well-deserved third-place finish. I think it's a point I really liked was on his radio after he crossed the line when he spoke to his engineer and he said, um, we should do this every week, boys. And it's like, well, yeah. Um, but his, his engineer came back and said, well, let's go one better. Let's get you on the top step in Mexico. And, you know, I think it is it is tough being the number two driver at Red Bull. As Luke pointed out, that, that car isn't doesn't look like the easiest thing to drive. Um, it's very edgy. So I think, you know, it, it's, it was good to see today. I think we've had too many occasions where the narrative has been like Perez needs to step up. And, you know, for, for, for me, I think he was a contender for driver of the day. I mean, again, like it's very easy, isn't it, to kind of ignore the winning driver as driver of the day because he, he seemed to have quite an easy time of it out there um but you know that that battle with with Lewis I just think and I, you know you don't want to get too bogged down in the, the the too many of the specifics but the fact that it was Lewis Hamilton and he held him for corner after corner after corner didn't give up didn't ever look like he was going to pull out the move but it was I mean the uh, the shove into the pit lane was a little bit interesting, um, but you know it was the drive that we've been waiting for him for from him today, and we are going to get onto the driver of the day conversation uh, when we get to Carlos Sainz. So stick with us for that. Um, a few words on Max Verstappen. Luke has he said anything interesting in any of the post race interviews or press conferences? I mean, it was quite a quiet day for him as well. Uh, but anything to to share with us? Yeah, so quiet that when you mentioned him, I was like, oh yeah, Max, of course. But no, I, I think that he came away from today actually very, very happy because he said this was not a particularly good weekend for Red Bull. They didn't have the pace of Mercedes. So to come away with second place, he was pretty pleased with and he said that it's not going to be easy like it's clear Mercedes has stepped things up and taken a big step forward now he may be in the lead of the championship but yeah with six races to go it's far from being a sure thing that he can really cling on to this so I think he's braced for a really tough running and all the way through this weekend like he said on Thursday that oh if I win the championship or not like it's not going to change my life and it was quite an interesting comment that I think maybe a few people took a, a bit of the wrong way and he said again today, he said that, look, we're working as hard as we can. We're doing everything we can. And ultimately, it's about whether or not that is enough at the end of the season. But if we give our all and it's not enough, I'm still going to sleep easy at night. And I thought that sort of put good flesh to what he was saying. And it's this idea of, yeah, if you give it all, but it's not quite good enough, then you've got to just accept that. And that's the way it is. And I think that's probably how he treated this weekend. That, yeah, they did everything they could, Red Bull, but ultimately didn't have Mercedes pace. So to have left with the championship lead over Lewis, I think that's a, a positive result. And yeah, I think going into the rest of the season, they'll probably just think, look, let's see what we can do. Mercedes has clearly stepped things up. We're going into some tracks that, yeah, it's going to swing both ways. Austin should play to more, more towards Mercedes. Mexico should be really good for Red Bull. So it's going to be really fascinating to see how it flicks back and forth between the two of them. But yeah, I think Max, all things considered, was really pleased with today. Obviously, you didn't you want to win a race, clearly, but I think he'd be pretty content with P2, all things considered. Yeah, and he did, as he said, he did everything that they could do today and they brought home the best result that they thought they could get, which is all they could ask for. Moving further down at the top 10, Charles Leclerc came home P4. He was also pretty um, quiet for the first half of the race. Uh, we didn't see much of him. No, I'm going to I'm gonna contest that. I thought Charles Leclerc drove a brilliant race. I, I think, think he, he drove a brilliant race. I'm yeah. getting to it. I'm getting to okay, it. <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I think he drove a brilliant race and that's why I think he was pretty quiet because he was just holding okay. his own in P3, doing what he needed to do, much like Bottas was doing as well. But then he did come in more to the storyline and to our screens when, of course, they flirted with the idea of this no-stopper. He took the lead. Um, but then they did bring him in before Mercedes, of course, made that call because they saw his performance dropping off. Um, but Luke, I'm going to go straight 
straight to you. Tell us more about your views on Leclerc's great drive today then. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really good. I mean, he was on pace with Bottas and Verstappen for basically all of the first stint. And even he said he was quite surprised by that. And he said what was even more surprising is because Ferrari trimmed out the aero a little bit and went for a bit of a lower downforce setup than they perhaps would have liked to. And obviously, if it's raining, you want as much downforce as possible, really. And they didn't have that. And he said that the setup wasn't really optimal for the conditions, but he was still able to keep pace with Verstappen and with Bottas pretty well. And there were points when, yeah, Leclerc was closer to Verstappen than Verstappen was to Bottas. And you were kind of thinking, might Charles have a shout here? And yeah, when we heard Ferrari go over the radio and say, yeah, we can go all the way to the end. Uh, it was it was really cool just to see this sort of Hail Mary, look, let's gun for it and go for it. And I think similar to Mercedes, they kind of got into a position where they realised, look, it ain't going to work. Let's just cut our losses and in the end get P4. But it showed that I think Ferrari, they're not... I mean, they want to finish third this season, obviously. But to them, whether they finish third or fourth, actually, it's not going to be... It's not going to make or break that team at all. Like, it's still not where they want to be, which is first, which is the champion, which is winning races. So I just really liked today that they were like, yep, let's just gun for it and go for it. Charles drove a great race. And yeah, I think that he ultimately didn't come in the optimum time. That's why he was easy prey for Perez in the closing stages. But yeah, a really good drive from him today. And I think that... Anytime that Ferrari can keep pace with the leading two teams, I think that's a really, really impressive feat. So, yeah, well done to uh, Charles. Yeah, his pace was very, very impressive today. Jess, um, as we touched on, of course, he then fell into that sort of trap that Lewis also found himself in with not being able to pit at the optimal time. Do you think that there was more potential for Charles today had he pitted at the optimal time um he's already said that he doesn't regret it at all he sticks by the decision they made but what do you think with the power of hindsight that we keep tapping into yeah but that's the problem isn't it (laughs) we're not when we're in moment when we're racing we don't have that power of hindsight and like like luke i I think i mean i think the the world feed kind of give did ferrari the dirty today because the radio call sounded like ferrari had no idea what was going on um, and that they were leaving it all to Charles uh, to decide. And that was that That was that amazing message where they basically just said, well, if you stay in this position, Charles, and you keep Bottas behind you, you'll finish P1, which sounded like Captain Obvious um, kind of feedback. But um, I do think, obviously, as Luke pointed out, there was a little bit more than we got to hear um, behind the scenes. But um, yeah, I think it was... It, he, it was one of those solutions. It was one of those situations where they had nothing to to lose, really. Like, as in, like, obviously, as Luke pointed out, they want to get as many points from every race as they possibly can. But you know, when we look at where Leclerc finished, actually, not not re- really anything was lost in terms of points gained and taken home. And the fact, I know we're going to move on to Carlos Sainz uh, a little later, but the fact that we're talking about a double points finish for Ferrari this race. I think that's, you know, that's not something that we thought was going to be on the cards. So, um, no, so yeah, long-winded way of saying, I don't think, I don't think we could have expected anything more from Ferrari and Leclerc today. I think they, they absolutely maximised what they could do. They showed a little bit of balls um, in terms of even considering the uh, the the zero pit stop uh, approach, but yeah, I think ultimately they, they, they played it the way that they had to and, and, um, They've got double points finish. They have indeed. And of course, they've closed that gap a little bit to McLaren. I think it's a 7.5 points difference now. As Daniel Ricciardo, of course, didn't finish in the points. He started at the back of the pack. And we are going to move on to Carlos Sainz right now. He also started at the back, but he was a man on a mission today. He made up plenty of positions to finish P8. He got driver of the day and he did put in some fantastic overtakes that we were able to see. But was he your driver of the day today? Luke, you go first. He's up there, definitely, to give a very on-the-fence <laughs> answer. But he, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And I think I've said this on the podcast before and it's not, this isn't about invalidating fan views at all. And I just want to make that very, very clear. But driver of the day does always tend to go to the driver if someone starts at the back and they charge through and they make lots of overtakes, and they go on the world feed quite a lot, and I think we, we saw that a lot with Carlos today, that that tends to skew things maybe a little bit, and that they do tend to do better in the vote and often win. So it's um, 
I think yeah, it's a it's a it's a funny one. And I think when I saw the results sort of in play pop up at one point, he was top and Leclerc was second. And I think yeah, both of them drove very good races. I agree with Jess. I think Checo has a good shout in the drive of the day conversation. Obviously, Valtteri Bottas he didn't put a foot wrong. But I think yeah, for Carlos, I think if you look at the weekend as a whole, and I think this will be reflected in the driver ratings on autosport.com and in the magazine um, tomorrow and in the magazine on Thursday, that, yeah, I think Sainz actually did everything he could this weekend. He was always going to be starting in the back, so qualifying didn't really matter. Yet in qualifying, he actually played a part by knocking out Ricardo in Q1, in Q2, then he helped Leclerc, gave him a mega toe to help him put in a better lap time as well. And I said to him after qualifying, I said, oh, you're going to have some fun tomorrow fighting through. And he was like, well, yeah, but I'd have more fun if I was like starting fourth or fifth where I should be. And he said he kind of regretted a little bit that they were doing the penalty this weekend, but understood why. But then he was just able to fly through the field really, really well. And Ricardo told us after the race that he kind of looked at Carlos doing that and thought, oh, I can follow a little bit maybe. And quickly realized, no, I can't. Like He was just so much faster. Ferrari really got that car dialed in this weekend. And yeah, I think it was a brilliant display by Carlos. Some good points earned in the end. And uh, yeah, probably not my drive of the day, but I'm not going to begrudge people having that view. I think the other the other thing that kind of has a little black mark against him from me, which isn't a massive thing, but if we're going to nitpick, it was the move on Vettel where he got a bit clumsy and a bit greedy, I think. And obviously he ended up on the curb, which then, you know, set him, set, gave him a bit of oversteer and he kind of slammed into the side of Vettel, which wasn't exactly a, a clean move. So I think for me, like that was just, a, that was like one bad mark against him, which maybe the other drivers in contention didn't have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think science, science, Gasly and Norris are kind of up there for me in terms of if we're going to ignore kind of the title contenders, um, they're, they're kind of, you know, the, the standout drivers for me that I really enjoy watching race. And, and actually we got to see Carlos race this weekend, um, or today because ordinarily he somehow skips being shown on the world feed, but he didn't this, he didn't today, which was, uh, I know the fans got uh, quite excited about as well. So yeah, I think really, really good races as Luke has more succinctly summarized than I have. But, um, yeah, I'm just that little pointer for me is maybe why he's not mine. It's got to be between Checo and I guess Bottas, but like we've pointed out, it's, it's really, it's really, we get a bit bored of giving it to the winner because the winner, I mean, Bottas got fastest lap and he got the win. So, you know, what more does he want? <laughs> does he want drive of the day too? I don't know. I'm sure he would. It's got it's to be one of those two for me, I think. What about and for you, Ariana? I do think Valtteri did a fantastic job. I really do. He was faultless. He was actually faultless, I think. Um, it would be between Valtteri Checo and Carlos. I'm not sure who I would actually go for, but I'd be happy with any of them having it. <laughs> but I, I don't know who I would actually pick. And we thought Luke, we thought Luke was sitting on the fence. Yeah, no, sorry, really. you, you've got, you've got. Sorry, wow. I know. As I said, that, I was thinking, oh god, I've added in a third one, just for balance here on the podcast. Um, what I was going to ask though, Luke, was do we know the reason for his slow pit stop? It was eight seconds, wasn't it? Do we know where that came from? I feel like it's sort of. Um, it's, we sort of forgot about it quite quickly with all the other uh, events that unfolded afterwards, but that was strange. Uh, yeah, so Ferrari explained that was a, a signalling problem, and Mattia Bonotto said after the race that uh, the pit stop itself was actually finished, but then the signal to give the lights to change so that Carlos would be given the green light to go, that is now manual and not automated as a result of the technical directive ah. that was introduced at Spa. And that was never received by the system. So it basically, there was something that went wrong, Ferrari said, between the man manual signal to the systems. It meant it didn't come through properly. So yeah, it's a very simple thing that ultimately, yeah, costs a bit of time and frustrating. But it's these little sort of consequences, a bit like we've seen with Red Bull lately, um, because of the TD, not everything is so automated. So it's a bit more manual at points. So yeah, that that's all it was. That's all that led to the slow stop. And it's, it's something that's been plaguing a lot of the team. Well, not a lot of the teams, but more than one team. So it does seem like it, it's an interesting directive to have brought in because it does show how dependent it was on 
on on the 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 automated process of the sensors so it i to be honest i as much as it is can be quite heartbreaking when it ruins like you know again you wonder what if if he hadn't have had that slow stop would he have made up even more grounds but i guess the whole point of formula one is that it should have a a level of human error attached to it because that's what we come to see right we come to see human racers and human engineers and human mechanics that are somewhat superhuman um but we want to see them perform rather than it all just come down to clever electronics data simulations and uh sensors taking over that role so heartbreaking but also i think it's it's just showing that 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 it's a directive that is is kind of showing some people up carlos finished p8 behind lando norris and pierre gasly in sixth i want to talk about gasly because of course he had that moment of contact with fernando alonso uh, on the first lap which resulted in him getting that five second time penalty what did you make of that penalty luke do you think that that was fair and justified or do you think actually it was a bit harsh I think there was a lot of confusion from fans on on on, on Twitter, so sort of saying like, "Well, it's it's turn one, and there is normally this leniency that is given to incidents at turn one." But the FIA they explained after the race that because Gasly was basically on his own, like he wasn't sandwiched or anything like that, he wasn't jostling with other cars for position, that ultimately he was deemed fully to blame, and it was something that they actually updated in a sub- subsequent. Um, document in the initial reading didn't say that he was fully to blame but a second one did and because he was all on his own he sort of drifted a little bit into Alonso Fernando was asked about it after the race and if he felt any sort of like happiness that Gasly had been deemed fully to blame and he got that five second time penalty Alonso was like well it doesn't really bother me like it ruined my race still so I just haven't been very lucky this season but yeah I think it was uh yeah I think I think it was fair to be honest, which might be a little bit harsh, but it did ruin Alonso's race, really. Jess, what were your thoughts on it? I don't think it's fair. And I, I'm, not, I'm not just saying that because I've already kind of outlined Gasly as one of the like kind of drivers, but I just think I, I, the problem for me is that there have been similar incidents pre in previous races where they've just gone turn one in turn one lap one incident. Let's not look at this. And um, I, I do agree with Luke in that you. Know, if we're gonna, I mean, the thing I'm waiting for that I've not seen, which maybe will change my mind, is Perez is on board. Which I know some people, especially if they've got F1 TV, they will have seen Perez is on board. Um, but you know, it was it's a damp track. They were all offline. It, it, you, he didn't intentionally slam into Alonso. I think he was actually probably quite surprised to find Alonso there, um, and was probably looking at Perez more than he was at Alonso. So. For me, I think I think well again, and this is kind of a bigger question than than just around this incident. But I think it's highly unfair that he's got two penalty points for it because that just seems ridiculous to me. It wasn't an intentional um, or you know a, a dangerous move. He just found himself sliding a little bit and ended up hitting Alonso. And whilst okay, yes, it did ruin Alonso's race. You're not meant to give penalty points based on outcome or whether or not somebody's race has been ruined or not. So. For, for, yes okay did it did it knock Alonso off track did he cause a collision which is what the penalty is for yes but was it a lap one turn one incident yes so for me that's where I think especially if we're gonna and I know what fans are doing and why a lot of fans are so upset is that Alonso's um, move on Schumacher that he also got a five second time penalty for was a reckless move was completely and utterly his fault so I don't know it, it, it all comes down to the way that the stewards kind of interpret the rule book um and obviously penalties are awarded when there is a driver who is predominantly or wholly to blame which the changing the word changing is quite an interesting one um that maybe we'll look into a little bit more on on our websites or maybe not I'm not sure how we want to play that because it's quite odd but um uh yeah I think that for, for me when you're looking at an incident like Alonso's that was a slam dunk five second time penalty absolutely no question about that but you know Gasly is now in the same situation in I just don't I just to me I know it's difficult to compare incidents and they're not the same but I just just for me that that's why it smacks a little not purely because of that but for the reasons I was saying earlier why that smacks a little hard for me I think it was slightly unfair I think I think there would have been more leniency given had it been a, a different time. I also find it really interesting as well that it was during a weekend where Alonso has been highly critical of the stewards 
um and the way that they award things and actually at the at the time I did go to tweet that oh interesting um that Alonso would criticize the stewards um and yet the the next two incidents uh, are called in Alonso's favor and then Alonso got a 5 second time penalty and I was like oh okay that did that did not age well so uh maybe we won't go down uh, down that track but yeah it's a strange one it was something that Michael Massey actually got asked about after the race as well. Oh, really? <laughs> Tongue in cheek, but yeah, it's uh, and obviously he was like, well, obviously not like comments in the media don't actually impact on our decision making clearly. But um, yeah, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? And I think that Fernando he's asked about it on Saturday as well, and he kind of just continued to stir the pot a little bit more. And we we know what he's like. We know that he enjoys sort of the I guess the more political side of F one. And I personally I enjoy that he likes it. Like it's good for us. Like it gives us something to talk about. And um, yeah, it's just it's just cheeky. Like I like that we've got like old Alonso back in every aspect. He's brilliant on track, off track he's sort of making these little little pointed comments here and there. But yeah, I, I must admit, Jess, I had the same thought that once uh, when, when Gazi was given that penalty, I was like, oh, maybe Massey sort of like, yeah. So they're sort of thinking like, oh, we've got to better keep things uh, keep things sweet. But obviously that is not the case. Now, the top 10 was rounding rounded off by Lance Stroll and Esteban Ocon. As we've said, Esteban Ocon staying on the same set of inters throughout the race. What did you make of that week? We've got a little bit of time left. We still want to touch on Sebastian Vettel, of course, and his decision with his tyres. But first and foremost, what did you think of Esteban Ocon's choice to try it? Try that one stopper. Bold, I think is the way I would, I would word it. And yeah, fair play to Alpine. Bold and, to and bold. For it. Bold and bold. It was a really, I thought, a really impressive drive like I thought it was it was really really good that they did just gun for it and go for it and yeah the first time since Mika Salo in Monaco 97 I believe was what Motorsport Stats put out on Twitter earlier a good follow for any uh, statistical fans out there and yeah Ocon like he, he drove a, a decent race and he was sort of always on the fringes of that top 10 was helped with the Sonoda spin that helped him pick, him pick up a position and then yeah I think they were kind of in this similar position to everyone else where they were thinking well do we want to sort of go for it or do we want to pit early and what's the best way to do it and I like that they just committed and as you said by the end like his tyres were absolutely finished and there is some on board from Antonio Giovinazzi's car going around where there's a bit of confusion about how many laps he's got left and that they were preparing the charge on the car for like one final lap and one effort to catch Ocon but they mistimed it so that he crossed the line and that was the end of the race so they didn't get the chance to do that but it was uh, yeah I mean it was a bold strategy in the end, it gave him a couple of positions and meant that he did pick up a point for P10, which is, yeah, good news for Alpine on a, a day when obviously Alonso wasn't in the picture. But he was hanging on by a thread at the very end. Again, he lost 17 seconds to Stroll in the space of five laps. One more lap and, yeah, Giovinazzi and Raikkonen would have easily got past him. We even saw Daniel Ricciardo. He struggled a lot and he pitted. He had already pitted. Obviously, he was he was the first man to make that switch on lap 21. So for Ocon to go all the way, I mean, yeah, that's a mega, mega effort. In the end, yeah, it's only a point, but I think it's probably one of uh, one of the more memorable point-scoring finishes we'll have in F1 this season. Yeah, for, for no pit stops, I thought it was uh, pretty pretty interesting. So, yeah, good job, Alpine. Yeah, it was a good job because as you touched on, um, Daniel Ricciardo, we saw him really falling off in those final few laps obviously getting overtaken by the Alfa Romeos. And we saw Yuki was also closing in as well on the timings. You could see it just, the, the gap just being broken down and down. But of course, he did manage to stay ahead of Yuki. Um, I want to talk about Sebastian Vettel though, because there was a moment in the race that I'm sure we all remember vividly where Aston Martin put him out on the mediums. They gambled. Uh, I think it probably took everyone by surprise because the track certainly didn't look like it was ready for that and he very quickly found out that it wasn't he was sliding all over the place and then they called him straight back in to change um was that a brave gamble that was worth trying or was that do you think that was a decision that was just never it was a call that was never gonna stick Jess yeah I was very confused <laughs> I was just like <laughs> You know, I mean, Sebastian Vettel's a four-time world champion, so I kind of am inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but just, I mean, for for us sitting at home and watching world feeds um, and not being sat in a Formula One car uh, driving around the Istanbul Park circuit, um, 
there didn't seem to be a dry line. Um, and that is usually the call for moving to dries, you know, dry line, dry tires. But I guess that the other thing was that a lot of the people were were roaming around on on um, what are we calling them slick intermediates. Um, so you know maybe that was the idea that actually if they can get round on slick intermediates, why don't we just move to slicks? But I mean there was a call that maybe maybe the softer compound would have performed better because I, in theory it would have heated up quicker and therefore would have got up to temperature that you could have potentially survived on but I, do, I just don't I don't know if Luke has, has has actually got any further information because I I haven't seen anything post-race in terms of speaking to Vettel other than he he said it was his call to come in for those slicks um but yeah I mean absolute amazing rallying skills to get that car back into the pits without sliding into the side of the pit entry um I will give him credit for that but yeah odd call from Vettel which yeah really really cost him any hope of bringing home any points for Aston yeah I actually did speak to Vettel after the race I put that question to him in the pen and yeah he was actually in quite a good mood post-race he was pretty just like yeah I went for it and yeah, it didn't work out and it was all my decision and that's kind of the way it is. And yeah, he said it was a bit of a strange day for him. And he said the intermediates didn't really seem to work a great deal. And I think, yeah, he was he was struggling a bit. I mean, we saw when, yeah, science came through and he was being tailed by Ocon as well at one point as well. So I think it was always going to be maybe a point at best and they're always going to kind of scrape a result so that's probably why i thought let's just roll the dice and go for it but yeah i think seb i think he was in a pretty he was pretty chilled after the race like wasn't beating himself up about it or anything like that these things happen it was very optimistic and yeah all of the drivers said that even towards the end it was nowhere near being ready for slicks i think when he did make that call it was it was a very bold strategy but yeah we, it's it's the kind of thing we like to see though. I like it when drivers roll the dice and go for it. And again, if he'd lit up the timesheets purple, we'd all be going, oh, Vessel's a genius, like brilliant from Aston Martin and whatever. And it is all about sort of that judgment. And maybe from a four-time world champion, you might expect a little bit more of a sort of uh, conservative or rational approach. But when you're going to score maybe one point at best, what have you got to lose? You may as well just go for it. So yeah, but no, I, I was very surprised as well. And the moment it came up with the yellow flags in sector two, I was like, I know who this is. And it was set. <laughs> it wasn't it a couple of times as well. It wasn't just the one time. Yeah, it was yeah, like, like oh, twice. In, and he's off twice again. In the oh, lap. And he's and off again. And the entry as well as he tried getting into the pits, he lost the rear end as well. <laughs> this is another reason why I do actually enjoy races like this because it does, it does kind of separate the men from the boys whilst we only have male drivers in formula one it it does go to show you know you do no one we've got drivers that we know are extremely good at making tire calls extremely good but even those the situation that we found out on track today was so alien i mean it's a second race where we've had really strange track conditions that just don't quite play i mean where have you where else have you ever seen us talking about running down intermediates to band like it's just we don't do that anymore it's it's such a strange scenario and yet we've had it two years in a row at Istanbul so it, it it's an it's an interesting kind of throw into the mix that that this track provides us but I always really enjoy these kinds of races because you do get to see the tactical minds the intuitive minds of the drivers that you know on a normal kind of race scenario or a dry race you don't always get to see and these are the kind of races where I'm watching for who is the breakout breakout star now I'm not sure who I would say is the breakout star of today's race in terms of that just purely on that criteria but I do like these these kinds of scenarios do deliver you those moments of magic maybe um that kind of for me define world championship material um that that is kind of like really defining for me so yeah, it was a it was a strange call. It was a weird one. It was kind of farcical on reflection. But as Luke said, you know, he doesn't have that much to lose in terms of the championship. But I'm sure Aston aren't too pleased about it post race. 
Right, we are coming to the end of the pod and we've covered the top 10 and Sebastian Vettel. Briefly touched on Daniel Ricciardo. Luke, I'm going to ask you to do the wonderful roundup that you often do. <laughs> but it can on be... On the spot, yes. On the spot. And it's just, um, you know, the bottom 10 drivers of the day. I don't feel like we saw much from them anyway. But you're yeah, going to take it away. Yeah, it was quite a quiet race for many of them. I'm going to try my best. Some of them I will admit I don't know because kind of when you do the post-race media pen, they they often come like two at a time. So one of my colleagues will be talking to one driver while I talk to another one. So please forgive me if there's anyone I do miss on this. But uh, yeah, Antonio Giovinazzi in 11th, as I explained that the charge that they went for, they just got that mix up a little bit. He said to me after the race, they just needed one more lap and they would have got that position from Ocon. So yeah, it's races like this that Alpha need if they want to get close to Williams in the championship. So a little bit disappointing. Uh, Kimmy 12th, yeah, after the race, he was pretty just like, yeah, it was... He enjoyed it. He said it was a good race. We had good pace at points. Not quite enough uh, uh, to get into the top 10. But yeah, he was pretty pleased. Uh, Ricardo, uh, he came to meet us in the pen and he said, let's keep it short and sweet. I've not got a lot to talk about. Um, Ended up talking to us for quite a while, actually, though. So good on him. But um, yeah, he said that they made that call really, really early to switch to intermediates. It just didn't work out. And he said you kind of went through phases of having really good pace for like four or five laps. And then it would disappear again. So he was a little frustrated, but he said, look, he's dealt with setbacks this season. He's not going to let this be a, a big momentum killer. Obviously, after two great races at Monza and Sochi, I think McLaren will just take it on the chin, really. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda had that brilliant fight with uh, Lewis Hamilton in the opening stages. And we asked him after the race about it and said, oh, like, are you? did you really enjoy that fight? And he went, I don't care really, though, because I didn't score any points. He had that spin that ultimately cost him the position. He said that was a factor of using his tyres a little bit too much when he was fighting Lewis. So, yeah, setback for him. Uh, George Russell was pretty anonymous today, to be honest, in 15th place. He really rude qualifying yesterday, made a mistake at the end of his Q2 lap that he thinks uh, cost him a surefire place in Q3. He said then that, look, if you start in mid-pack, it's going to make it a difficult day. It proved to be exactly that. Uh, Fernando Alonso, 16th. Uh, we've talked a bit about him, but he said that Alpine needs to sort out the pace on intermediates, regardless of what happened in the clash with Gasly. Does feel that on one lap pace, though, he's made a decent step forward. Uh, Nicholas Latifi, um, I was talking about this with Autosports Grand Prix editor Alex Kalanorkas, and we said that like, everyone had a pretty all right race today. Like, no one had a really disastrous one. Um, Latifi, probably one of the few drivers who might be down a few marks in the ratings, uh, on account of his uh, his early spin, that I think really did set the set the tone for his race. Uh, Vettel, we've touched on in 18th. Uh, Mick Schumacher, 19th. I think he would have hoped for a bit more. He said it was probably his best weekend in F1 to date, all the way up to the race. And yeah, in the race, ultimately got biffed by Alonso, and that meant he was always going to be back to the the regular starting position with uh, sorry, the regular fighting position with teammate Nikita Mazepin. Mazepin, probably the most notable bit about his race was the uh, almost running with Lewis Hamilton as they came through turn 11. Uh, Mazepin was really apologetic about it after the race and he said that he felt like he was driving blind and a lot of the drivers, uh, Lando Norris as well, commented how the spray in, in uh, Turkey was actually really odd, like it wasn't normal. So they were looking in the rear mirrors and it was throwing up spray, but also a bit of dust as well. I don't know if that's on account of the track resurfacing or what it is. Michael Massey said after the race, oh, it's not an issue. And yeah, I don't know. But the drivers were pretty sure that it was a problem. And uh, yeah, so Mazepin, he took full blame for that. The stewards looked at it, didn't take any action, didn't really have much of an impact. And uh, yeah, that is all of the top 20, 20 finishes. And I believe that is the 12th time in F1 history that's happened. So, and after all the rain and all the action we saw in Turkey last year, that's quite a surprise. But yeah, that is your rundown. Luke, you do it every time. That was so impressive, considering you gave us that little uh, caveat at the start that you hadn't spoken to them or you had them all covered there. Thank you so much for that. And thank you both for joining us for... This evening's rundown of the Turkish Grand Prix. That is all that we have time for. Enjoy the break that we have now before we head over to Austin for the next race. But in the meantime, if you head over to Autosport Plus right now, there is 
a range of brilliant articles that you can read, including a piece on how pit stops have evolved into an F1 art form. Of course, we spoke about pit stops a bit earlier in this podcast, and there is a piece on that that you can read. And Alex Kalinorkas has also written a piece on why Mercedes' Istanbul Edge is both stronger and weaker than it seems. That is all from us. Thank you for joining us once again, and we'll be back very soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Calling all nurses. Come join Inhabit Home Health and Hospice at our virtual national hiring event on January 18th, 2023 from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time. Speak to our hiring managers in real time about available job openings and learn about our unmatched benefits, including flexible schedules and up to 30 days of paid time off. Register now at inhabit.careerfair.live. The future of in-home care starts with you. Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.